Welcome to Nicosia Uncut, produced and presented by Andromachis of Ocleus and Kemal Baikali. In this episode, we discussed the latest economic meltdown in the North. We also discussed the Green Line Regulation and the EU aid program for the Turkish Cypriot community. Unfortunately, nobody is doing anything about the long queues at the crossing points. We also touched on the collapse of the Greek Cypriot rhetoric regarding EU action against Turkey. Welcome to Nicosia Uncut. Hello, Kemal. How are you? Thanks, Andromahi. Good to see you. How are you? I am fine. I am following the currency, just like we have learned to do these days. How about you? Yes, yes. We are all following the currency, and this is the only thing we are doing, unfortunately. In the north, we are using Turkish lira as a medium of uh, exchange. Well, what's going on is that uh, Mr. Erdogan is challenging the basic economic theories and he has his own ideas about economic theories. He believes that inflation is the result of uh, high interest. So he is trying to cut interests, although um, there is no ground for this. And then eventually, because he's challenging the economic theory, people are believing that um, they're not in sane hands in Turkey, the investors. And uh, eventually... This is uh, causing the investors and the foreign currencies to leave Turkey. And as we speak, one euro is around 18.3 Turkish liras. And uh, this is an unbelievable meltdown because um, this has been going on for a very long time, nonstop. And because we are mainly in the North um, import-dependent economy, and most of, our, of, of us are trying to buy cars or houses, they need to get their loans from the bank in foreign currencies. We're finding ourselves in a big trouble because um, the Turkish lira is not helping the people to keep their economic uh, standards because everything is dependent on, on, on the foreign currencies. And the worst part of it is that there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And this is the, the most frightening part because as we are not printing money and as we are not insane economic decision makers, hence, what we are experiencing is vulnerability and uh, and many people are trying to find jobs elsewhere, mainly in the Greek Cypriot economy. We heard uh, the labor unions are making deals to uh, make sure that the Turkish Cypriots are now employed in the South. It's a win-win for many. Um, yes, we where saw that the Turkish Cypriots will be getting euros and, and then Greek Cypriots will be having uh, workers whom they don't have to pay extra monies for their accommodation and, trans, and uh, transfer from abroad. And also just to mention something on this, there has been a lot of talk in the Greek Cypriot community lately about the shortage in workers, especially in the construction sector and in the um, hotel industry. And I think that, as you said, this is a win-win situation uh, for both sides. And it's also important to stress that it is the um, right-wing union that is uh, putting this plan forward, SEC, which is technically the union that belongs to the governing party DC. So this is also important to stress it. The, uh, the initiative comes from them. Well, we know that uh, Greek Cypriots have experienced a major um, crisis uh, uh, what, a, a decade ago, eight, six years ago. Um, and um, and then now the Turkish Cypriots are experiencing it. I, I, I think that you can always 
say that even if you are a healthy, united country, like one normal country, you can always experience such economic crisis. But the things that we are experiencing are, are always related with the anomaly in in Cyprus. I mean, I remember if I remember we were discussing how checks and balances are not in place in the decision-making mechanisms of Republic of Cyprus and how this affected probably um, the earlier decisions and how the, the mistakes made by the decision-makers in the South. And and today, of course, because we are connected to Turkey in economic terms as well, apart from other terms, um, we are also paying the price of, of not being a healthy economy and using our strengths and trying to get the best out of our geographic economic advantages in in the region so um yes that's true that now we are sending workers to work in the greek cypriot economy which is a great thing i i always support people working on both sides and econ- economic cooperation we always do but the way it is being uh, done it's not necessarily let's say helping the the people to put their potential in 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 a maximum way i mean we are a small island there are always in small islands, people working elsewhere. But in this particular situation, we have the university graduates, we have the people who who have completed their masters, who are specialized in their areas and going and working in the construction sector, which shows that there is a mismatch uh, there as well. I think this is very worthy of you to point it out because I was also thinking about this today when I was reading statements by SEC, the the right-wing union in the South, and uh, they mentioned that the majority of the people that have shown interest, they have, uh, they are graduates of university, basically. And it it goes to show about this mismatch and we we kind of hope that you know professionals and people that i don't know that they are experts in accounting or i don't know what they could be experts in we hope that they will be able to be employed in the greek cypriot community uh, rather than uh, you know wait waiting for this shortage of workers in the construction sector for them to be employed we are basically wasting our resources i mean you mm-hmm. invest in people in a generation you train them you give them diplomas and uh, they are not using their expertise they are not using this investment and um, so there is a mismatch over there on the other hand we can also talk a bit about um, the fact that the eu has recently announced that uh, another package for to support the Turkish Cypriots. This has been going on since 2005 as a part of the financial aid regulation. Um, after the unplanned voting in 2004, there was an EU decision to support the Turkish Cypriots to prepare them for unification. And as a part of this deal, the EU has been supporting Turkish Cypriots in the areas of infrastructure, in bicommunal cooperation, in uh, in SMEs uh, support in, and um, in in various ways and uh, so um, the Turkish Cypriots are uh, benefiting now from uh, uh, EU support um, which has been going on for for some time already but again this support is always also uh, heavily uh, controlled uh, because anything that will not be uh, accepted by any activity that will not be accepted by the Republic of Cyprus authorities will not be able to go through. So, um, but again, everything in Cyprus is contested, especially in the north, and it's creating uh, a lot of uh, question marks in that area as well. 
No, I just wanted to say that we saw that I think maybe the new element is that there is this support towards uh, Turkish Cypriot producers in order to be able to uh, benefit from the Halloumi Helim uh, PDO package. You, we were together when we were discussing this issue with an official in the Turkish Cypriot community and how they had not heard anything about the, uh, the registration and all the procedures con- concerning the Halloumi Helim PDO package. And now with this decision by the European Union, it seems that they are trying to work on it and they are trying to give the necessary tools to the Turkish Cypriot producers in order to be able to indeed benefit out of that package. At the same time, my main concern most of the times about the the money that is spent by the European Union within any community, but within the Turkish Cypriot community in particular, is the extent to which the money reaches, you know, grassroots, the extent to which the money manages to reach the common people, people that are not necessarily involved in any bi-communal or multi-communal organizations, people that are not members of this bubble, let's say. I think that this is the major challenge that the European Union now has to face when it comes to its impact in the Turkish Cypriot community. It's one thing to have money spent on the Turkish Cypriot community, and it's another thing to have the Turkish Cypriots profoundly understand and appreciate that they are indeed being helped as a community by the European Union. This is a challenge everywhere, of course. I mean, it's a challenge of the European Union in the way, in, in in all the member states as well, uh, but I think it's particularly challenging for the Turkish Cypriot community, and th- there is a lot of work to be done in that respect. The lifeline support uh, took place uh, in the height of the the pandemic and the closure, and um, I uh, remember there uh, were uh, like uh, seed funding and support and grants um, to well directly basic aid to uh, certain sectors in the Turkish Cypriot economy. But, uh, and these are crucially important, but as you rightly pointed out, I don't think that the Turkish Cypriots feel that they are in good hands in, 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 in times of crisis. And I think this is one of the reasons why they constantly feel vulnerable because Turkey's economy is going down and uh, we are directly uh, feeling it. Eventually, this brings us back to the Cyprus problem. <laughs> and then it for a solution. So, <laughs> uh, how about... And maybe uh, since we are talking about um, the financial aid regulation, maybe we can also talk a little bit about the Green Line regulation, Andromai, on, on, on this point. Yes, I think it's worth discussing it a bit. Uh, um, uh, as you are aware because I made my, <laughs> I was so upset that I shared it with you and with a number of other people. When I read this uh, article on, um, on, I think it was on Philelefteros by an officer in the Cyprus Employers and Industrialists uh, Federation, OEV, in which they were basically calling for a change in the Green Line regulation. They the officer whose name is Michalis Grigoriou, he he basically suggested uh, that uh, um, VAT should be paid at the 
checkpoints. He, he they referred to in-depth controls by the Republic of Cyprus authorities at checkpoints for all building materials, raw materials, in order to make sure that uh, they comply with European regulation. They asked to establish a mechanism to control and confirm the origin of program of products. Sorry, when suspicions arise that they are not Cypriot. So and um, also the prohibition of the supply of fuel from the north by persons that are engaged in economic activities. So it was basically an article that was demonizing the agreement. It was an article that was uh, filled with um, innuendos that the Greek Cypriots are being kind of at a disadvantage regarding the Green Line regulation. And uh, if you remember, I had shared the article with you and I had asked your opinion as a person that has worked a lot on the Green Line regulation and who is aware um, of all the dealings behind it, what your view was on that. And I would like to hear your view on, on, on such opinions. Well, I worked in the Turkey Cypriot Chamber of Commerce uh, for nine years and um, I was personally involved in the Green Line regulation and the Green Line trade as well. There is one big misunderstanding about the Green Line regulation. Green Line regulation is nothing to do with the smuggling um, outside the controlled uh, crossing points, right? So that should not be mixed. If there there is smuggling, it, this is not about the Green Line regulation. Green Line regulation is a temporary regulation which is based on the fact that Aki Communitaire is suspended in the northern part of Cyprus and everything is political in Cyprus and this is also a bit of a political. So the Greenland regulation regulates the crossing of the goods and the people and the services, uh, you know, across the Green Line. And um, most of the things that are coming from north into south are are uh, regulated by this regulation and um, they should be um, produced in the north and the certification accompanying documents during the crossing should be provided by the Turkey Cypriot Chamber of Commerce. Now, the Green Line uh, regulation, the Green Line trade is not an export-import situation. Right, because that would be against the official policy of the Republic of Cyprus. Anyway, uh, this is considered an intra-island trade. Since it's an intra-island trade, and since it's basically one regulation, it cannot replace the entire Aki community on the production, on the quality, on the environmental conditions during production in the north, because north is not under the uh, Aki Communitaire control. So uh, what happens eventually? Um, whenever somebody is producing something in the north, that needs to be proven that international, according to the international standards, these are not important from, imported from elsewhere. You can import the raw material, but you cannot sell the imported goods directly to the south. So basically you need to go through some sort of a processing that will make it another product and then you can eventually cross it, sell it to the south. The psychological aspect of it, we need to understand that the extent of the Green Line regulation is not so high. As far as I remember, it's around 5 million euros per year. It's it's nothing. It's like, like a turnover of a, of a medium-sized company. So I don't really understand why there is so much fuss about it, right? 
And and yes, because the North is becoming even cheaper, the producers in the South are afraid that uh, they will be more disadvantaged when it comes to the uh, you know competition. Not many things are going through to South anyway. The the things that which which go are are construction materials. Things that go are um, fresh fish. The things go um, are, are are some vegetables and some chemicals, some scrap. So I don't think it's the matter of the problem of the green line. I think it's more a psychological aspect of it. And uh, and then we also need to understand if people are crossing to the north and doing their own personal shopping. This is not greenland regulation this is something else and then this is why many people are also like if they go and buy petroleum it's it's it, 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 this is something else and um, you know when, at the times of such um, let's say problems people are making all kind of irrelevant comments and um, it's not helping anyone and i also think um, i have two comments on what you said first of all i'm I'm astonished that this sort of uh, of uh, demands for greater control and for uh, restrictions and measures, they come from an organization that believes in the free market and in the open market. And sometimes I wonder if we had a solution to the Cyprus problem, what would all these organizations do when it comes to the competition that would exist uh, between the two communities when it comes to financial issues? And At the same time, I want to stress that, uh, as you clearly know, uh, the issue of the Green Line regulation is regulated by the Cyprus Chamber of Commerce, and it's not something that has to do with the Cyprus Federation of Employers and Industrialists. So even to that extent, it was a strange sort of public intervention because it came from an officer who clearly lacks knowledge of the Green Line regulation. And at the same time, we know that these are issues that are handled by Keve, by the Cyprus Chamber of Commerce. So I sense a bit of a sort of internal conflict uh, between the two organizations uh, as well, to be honest. Every time Green Line regulation comes into discussion, I mean, every, every, each side have, have, uh, has their own positions on that. I think the main point is that it was initiated as a, as a temporary tool. And the fact that we are still trying to survive an abnormal situation is, is giving us a lot of headaches. And that's the main problem. Because on one hand, we have the entire Aki community, the directives on, on the productions, on the issues. And on the other hand, you know, especially after the collapse of the talks, the EU is not necessarily helping the Turkish Cypriots to align their, uh, their systems in line with the EU rules and regulations. And on, on the other hand, we have hearing complaints about the fact that maybe they are not in line with the rules and regulations. So the fact that we are living on the same island, and this island is very small, in when it comes to controlling if the things are being produced in the north or in the south, again, there are ways to do this. But, you know, the extent of the trade is, is, is not that big anyway. And then the EU is also in charge of this. And then there are men also in the north are complaining. For example, the processed good cannot go into south because the production facility should be, should be controlled and checked by a relevant national authority. But when you say national authority, there is this Cyprus problem coming into discussion and then blah, so on and so forth. And um, you're right. 
you're right. I mean, if we believe in, in free market and if we believe in, in trade that is being done under the rules and regulations of the country, which I'm talking about the EU rules and regulation, which is part of the national uh, laws now, we, we have no issue to complain. I mean, And I think, Kemal, that um, on this point, it is important for us exactly because, as you said, we have the Green Line regulation, which was not supposed to be a permanent sort of regulation. It was um, a, a temporary sort of uh, um, agreement in order to proceed with the accession of Cyprus in the European Union, hoping that the uh, Cyprus reunification will come. But exactly because of this and because of the pending Cyprus problem, I believe that we should expect more pressure on the Green Line regulation. I believe that more voices that do not encourage uh, cooperation between the sides, uh, there is a ground for those voices to become even louder. And uh, just like with the Green Line regulation, uh, I, I also believe that we will see a lot of pressure about crossing points as well. And I think that all the relevant relevant uh, authorities must be alert and we all must be sort of our reflexes should be alert at this stage in order to defend both the green line regulation as well as the existence of crossings and uh, we were discussing this the other day we we hear an increasing amount of complaints about the way people are being treated by the greek cypriot uh, officials on crossing points this is a huge issue we have the huge lines uh, in the Domedios crossing point uh, of cars that want to cross for whatever reason that might be. We wonder why nobody bothers to do anything about the so many people uh, that are getting caught in those long queues in the Ayos Domedios crossing point. As and there is also an environmental impact. Like when you're waiting for hours, your, um, you know, your engine is on. And then you wait one hour and then your engine is, is just ruining the environment and the neighbors, in, the, the people living in the neighborhood are also complaining. And it's cruel. I mean, it's like it's it's a reality now on this island. People continue to cross from one side to another and then we should find ways to facilitate and handle this situation. No, I agree. And, and I understand that the Republic of Cyprus is trying to undermine this sort of cooperation. They are not, they are trying to make it difficult, let's say, for people to cross so that they do not cross. I think that this is evident. But at the same time, it comes a point in which you say, crossings are there. Uh, we've got Protocol 10 of the European Union. We cannot allow for so many people to be caught up in long queues and for the uh, everyday life of so many people to be influenced because the authorities do not want to enforce something that they agreed to. Look, if we were to separate countries, what normally happens, there would be a bilateral trade agreement, there would be bilateral crossings agreement, there would be bilateral agreement on how to control a border between two separate independent countries, and there would be agreements on cooperation. And then two sides cooperate constantly to solve these issues. Now, either we will say that North is a separate country and we are going to treat it that way. So you're going to get in touch with the authorities and you're going to try bring solutions to the problems, which will further depend the problem if you, if if you ask me to have two separate um, um 
administrations on 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 such a small island but and also politically not possible or you are going to to try to find temporary solutions to the problems which will eventually bring us even more problems because you are not going to make a strategy on handling those and in a globalized world we constantly face even bigger problems migration climate change internet and technology and and how things are shaping up international trade is changing shape the the payments are changing shape things are changing so either as a small island you sit down and and then solve it or you're going to pay the price and and then see the consequences you cannot continue to try to come up with patches with temporary solutions to the global existing problems and the, and then problems of this island as well and if you try to do that you risk creating new feta complete that further enhance uh, the division on the island and we saw this recently when uh, the republic of cyprus created the monstrosity of uh, of barricades in the Lidra Street crossing point in which for the first time since before the opening of um, of the crossing point you, the the end of Lidra Street on the Turkish Cypriot community is no longer visible from uh, Lidra Street in the south and it's the excuses given do not justify such things because the smugglings never take place through the uh, official crossing points and also the problem is that it is very difficult to explain this to the greek cypriots who are caught up in this propaganda by the government especially about the refugees that cross from the north to the south and nobody seems to grasp that nobody crosses through the crossing points so the extra uh, controls in the crossing points have nothing to do uh, with the migration or the refugee issue, um, they could have something to do with uh, us uh, seeking to be a member of the Schengen uh, zone, which will never happen be- as long as the Cyprus problem is in existence. On But- this point, I would like to remind that Island Talks um, figure it uh, made another uh, podcast uh, together with Assistant Professor Nasia Hajiorgiu mm-hmm. on, on migration issues and the current situation in Cyprus. So I advise anybody to uh, look for uh, figure it and the last episode of it and then you can see uh, you can find more information on that yes they gave uh, numbers and everything it's a very detailed uh, uh, information so in any case the the bottom line is that as long as we are caught in this abnormal situation nothing is stable nothing is to be taken for granted and then at any moment uh, things could change towards uh, the worse or the better in fact is, but is, is there a strategy by the eu for example i mean we've been hearing recently that they they are talking about cyprus problem is there a strategy to come out of this situation look i think we have been very critical of the eu um numerous times on this podcast maybe sometimes we are unfair but i think that uh, doing an objective analysis of the situation the eu is a major player in this 
issue and the EU should understand that the Cyprus problem is an issue that is much greater than the small geographical uh, size of Cyprus and it's an issue of greater proportions and we have been for long calling for the European Union to grasp this and to grasp the, the impact that it has on so many other aspects that influence the European Union. So we had this discussion in the Coreper meeting which is the meeting of permanent representatives in the European Union and then we had another discussion in the Foreign Affairs Council that has to do with how the EU deals with Turkey in light of Turkish actions in Varosha, in light of Turkish actions in the um, waters of uh, Cyprus, etc. And from the leaks that we had from the discussion uh, ahead of the Foreign Affairs Council, it was the first time that there was a sense of, of strategy or at least a sense of an understanding by the European Union that uh, something needs to happen. Of course, as you know, uh, there were some reports in the local media by journalist Kyriakos Pieridis who suggested that finally the European Union has seen the light and that they have understood that they need to proceed with an initiative for the Cyprus problem solution. I, I think uh, Kyriakos Pieridis is a credible journalist, but to be honest, I've been disappointed times and times again from the European Union, so I'm not keeping my hopes high. Having said that, though, from the leaks of the discussion on the options paper uh, that was uh, prepared by the EU External Action Service. If you remember, we had discussed this a lot in the past. Um, the EU High Representative had stated that the EU External Action Service would prepare an options paper that would include all the options for the European Union, all the tools that the European Union has uh, in the face of Turkey's actions. And the Republic of Cyprus government had, as we mentioned many times, had built up hopes and expectations about this options paper. They had been discussing the issue of sanctions for a long time. They had been kind of promising that sanctions would come against Turkey. <laughs> this did not happen. So from the leaks of the discussion on the options paper, it was made clear that, okay, sanctions in the way that the Republic of Cyprus was promising them, they are not possible. The measures that are included against Turkey, they are of minimum impact. I mean, they, they've got some issues like uh, the European Investment Bank um, not granting any further loans to Turkey, uh, reducing some of the assistance to Turkey that is already reduced in any case. So when it comes to measures against Turkey, things are very limited. But what was important from the leaks is that suddenly there is an initiative, especially by Germany, to include the natural gas as a confidence-building measure. And there was this mention that hydrocarbons should be seen through that perspective. Of course, I'm sure you understand that this constitutes the collapse of the Greek Cypriot rhetoric about anything that has to do with natural gas, because the Republic of Cyprus has for long been suggesting that natural gas is an issue that has nothing to do with the Cyprus problem and that Cyprus can continue with its explorations and exploitation of its reserves 
regardless of the Cyprus problem. So it is the first time that we see that the European Union understands that maybe there needs to be an initiative that will include natural gas in the spectrum of confidence-building measures. And uh, I think that was the most important thing that we saw uh, from the leaks. At the same time, there was also a discussion about the environmental targets of the European Union and whether there would be an attempt to see how this could be also enforced uh, in the Turkish Cypriot community as well. And this is something that we have been calling for, Kemal, and I need to stress it. You cannot have a climate plan for the island of Cyprus that only takes into consideration the southern part of Cyprus, of the island in itself. As things stand, the Republic of Cyprus, and as we understand the European Union as well, have absolutely no idea about what happens regarding pollution in the north, regarding environmental issues in the north, and any climate plan that only touches on half the island is bound to fail. So if there is any such understanding by the European Union that the Green Deal needs to be applied in the Turkish Cypriot community as well, that that is a major step forward. And just to conclude on this discussion about the options paper, I think that it is high time the Republic of Cyprus understood that we are faced with new dilemmas, the game has changed, our partners, the, 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 the countries on which we rely for support uh, for the Cyprus problem and for all our claims are evidently tired of the Cyprus problem. And uh, we need to understand that we cannot follow the same course that has brought us here. The excuse that we are trying to solve the Cyprus problem is no longer uh, heard in the European Union. And it is evident. And it is evident because we saw the leaks in what was discussed. Our partners in the European Union expressed the verbal solidarity towards Cyprus, but from then on, they are not willing to take any substantial measures or sanctions against Turkey. And they include the problems that the Republic of Cyprus faces in the spectrum of the Cyprus problem. And they say that we need a solution to the Cyprus problem in order to solve these issues. And this is something that for a very long time, the Republic of Cyprus has been denying. And I think it's important if there is this understanding on behalf of the European Union. We are coming towards the end of our program. We have already some more things on our agenda, uh, such as the drillings and the Turkish Cypriot elections. So maybe we can spare more time in our uh, upcoming program. And uh, as it is becoming a, a tradition. Maybe we we can also do a panorama of the year, and then we can uh, go into the depth and you know do a, a, a bigger, a longer program next time. But. Uh, so um, before we go, I think uh, we need to remind our um, uh, our listeners that uh, we are planning to do one more before the end of the year and then uh, touch on uh, every relevant issue when it comes to the Cyprus and the Cyprus problem and then developments in Cyprus, especially in 2021. Thank you very much, Kemal, for today. I keep strong, both you and the Turkish Cypriot economy. And if it was in my hands, I think <laughs> I would do my best to keep it strong. But thank you. Good. Thank you very much.